Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Zetna, joined as always by 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. we got a jam-packed show for you today. That is because we are going to start our second segment of breaking down potential impact freshmen in 2023. We're going to start with the ACC today, but also if you're a Notre Dame fighting Irish fan, we're going to cover them as well, you're going to have to wait till the end of the show to wait for Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. Drew, this segment was a fun one. Last time you and I got to discuss the SEC, some of our favorite guys in the last cycle. ACC, I don't know about you. I felt like it required a little bit more digging on the teams <laughs> like Virginia, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, and others. But I like that. I mean, like from an education standpoint, I feel like this is a good practice to have before the season ramps up. Dude, I was thinking the same thing this morning like forget reading the preseason magazines like i feel like i have a good pulse on where a variety of these teams are um because you go through in 24 7 sports has an excellent network of of team sites that are boots on the ground and you get that angle you try to listen to a few different press conferences or those post-practice media scrums and then you're peeking at the two deep it's it's fun to just be like, hey, this guy's there. That this is that. Um, this team might be better than you know some people think they are based on my opinions on these certain kids. So it is fun. It's like a, it's like research going to school. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I, I've, it's a little it's, bit of homework, right? It felt yeah. like that. And just like when I was a student, you know, you're going up against a deadline this morning. I'm asking you for help, right? On a, on a couple names yeah, there at you, the you're, end. You're peeking over. At my paper. <laughs> nothing's nothing's changed at all. Guys, before we get started, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify included. Make sure to leave a five-star rating in review on there as well. A lot of positive momentum behind the scenes. 600,000 downloads this year to date. Our goal is a million by the end of the year, and we cannot do that without you guys. We appreciate it. Our show is growing our little show that we are so fond of. So we appreciate you guys tuning in every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. All right, Drew, let's start at the top. Projected order of the finish voted on by the media in the ACC. Let's start with Clemson. This one was relatively easy for me. And I'll, I'll, before I start, let me preface it. Same type of formula as it was for the SEC. A couple phone calls here and there, calling some contacts around these programs and guys that are a little bit more in the weeds, uh, but I didn't need to call anybody for this one. This one was Peter Woods, and I would say probably one of the more debated prospects we had in the 2023 cycle ended up finishing number 59 in the top 247 for us, number eight defensive lineman. But this is a player who was ready made to play, and since he has stepped on campus for Dabo Sweeney, defensive line coach Nick Eason, it has been nothing but rave reviews. Quick twitch, explosive, powerful at the point of attack. Super polished coming out of Thompson in Alabama, Drew. I mean, I expect this dude to be a household name probably uh, by midseason. Uh, and this is going to be a guy that's, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be fixated on, but it's going to be next when it comes to Clemson's defensive line. What's interesting about Peter Woods, when you kind of read the different stuff on, on Clemson and ask around, it, it you get the vibe that they don't even consider him like a true freshman. He's just already inserted himself. He is a guy. He's going to play. He's going to make an impact. He will be in there in key moments 
for the Tigers who open up Labor Day weekend, Monday night against Duke. Like I can already picture that broadcast just raving about Peter Woods. I called him the the spark plug of the Under Armour All-America game. Cooper, I know you loved him at the Alabama-Mississippi game. And you want to talk about ranking kids super early um, with us just coming out with that top 100 for the class of 2026. Peter Woods in, in his year, I mean, he was a guy that was identified early on. So he has always been someone that is a, a difference maker. I think that's an excellent selection. I knew you were going to go with Peter Woods here, um, but I, I wanted to highlight. So Peter Woods is also my pick, but I wanted to highlight some some other guys because I think Clemson has a freshman class that is going to play a lot of meaningful snaps. And they are one of the few schools that does not go into the transfer portal. So it becomes kind of a case where if there is a roster hole, someone young's got to step up. And uh, one guy I wanted to highlight, Khalil Barnes, a defensive back, seems like he's repping at both safety spots, also could play in the nickel. This is a kid that had a pick six in Clemson spring game. Um, finished as a as the number 30 athlete in the country for us, a high three-star grade of an 89. Maybe we'll be kicking ourselves. We didn't make him a four-star, but but Dabo said earlier this week he's going to play. He'll be on special teams. Um, that's a third of the game, but, you know, made it seem like there's a chance he's also going to be in that defensive back rotation. And I, I think what's interesting about Khalil Barnes kind of – We've touched on this subject both here in this airspace and, and behind the scenes talking about how many kids are already committed and, and who's going to try to flip people. Well, Khalil Barnes was a longtime Wake Forest commit uh, that the Tigers flipped in October. Notre Dame was also involved. Um, comes from uh, Georgia, senior season, eight interceptions, 15 touchdowns on offense. It's like on paper – you shouldn't be surprised that Khalil Barnes is making an impact. Like good football players tend to be good football players when they get to the next stop. So just wanted to give him a shout out. Um, I, I don't know if you had any others. Tamarian Parker seems like he could is also going to play up front. I, I think that would be the easy one for me. I'm gonna I'm I'm a huge fan of Tamarian Parker. Have been throughout the entire evaluation process, and for me, it was. I don't want to say validating, but in some sense, it was the performance that he had at the All-American Bowl because you hadn't seen him, right? The rest of the crew hadn't seen him at that point. Uh, so that was first time eyes on for a lot of a lot of the people at the network. So for him to have the performance that he did at, at the All-American Bowl was certainly um, encouraging. Yeah, to Marion Parker, that was a big one, Drew. He was committed to Penn State earlier I, on in the process. You almost and forget I, about I mean, it. You do. I mean, you think about what Nick Eason kind of brought in on that defensive line, Miles Murphy out, Brian Brisset out as well. Tyler Davis coming back. That's, that's a big one for Clemson. But I mean, you think of the next wave here, we haven't even talked about Vic Burley, right? Who I would imagine would get some run just based off of yeah. it, it, it the seems type like of physical component he brings. I think he got dinged up and they believe he'll miss the Duke game. But man, if the coaches are already saying, Oh, he's only going to miss a few games. Like he's, He's kind of penciled in as a key guy. You know what I mean? Like, I love what you said about Peter Woods and how Clemson's staff already views him as kind of an old guy in the room, right? And when you watch Peter Woods and when you're around him, that's just kind of the way he kind of handles himself. So 
I also feel, Drew, when it comes to Clemson, that there's one or two players every year that are maybe, I don't want to say overlooked in the evaluation process when it comes to projecting the Sundays, but maybe guys that we haven't talked about as much that end up being day one guys for them. Yeah. Right. Like like the high the highly rated three star or maybe a guy that they were more excited about that we just didn't see eye to eye on. And then all of a sudden, you know, first three or four games of the season, they they end up pretty end up making a pretty big impact. Well, like I said, I think they don't really have a choice like those guys got to play. You know what I mean? It's It's different than other spots where you can. All right. Hey, we don't have a fifth corner. Let's go get some guy from the portal to be to be that that dude for us that we know has played 400 snaps and, and whatnot. And, and it's funny you br- brought that up, Cooper, because I did write down one more name. Uh, Tink Kelly, local cornerback, wide receiver. I think he's played both positions here in preseason camp. Someone they flipped late from Virginia Tech. Sounds like he might be the return man for the Tigers. So I think Tink Kelly uh, fits that category right. People are going to be like, wait, who the heck is this? And he's going to be on the field probably that that Monday night game against Duke. I feel like Dabo likes to uh, keep the general public on their toes every now and then. All right, Drew, Florida State, these guys you are very familiar with, very familiar with what they brought in last year as well. I think you have a hunch about who I would be going with, but I don't think it's who you think it is. You're going to go Conrad Hussey, aren't you? Edwin Joseph. (laughs) You saw that. That was (laughs) – that was that was made after a phone call or two, and you know, getting some feedback. Uh, 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 it seems like a handful of these DBs, these young DBs for Florida State, are going to be ready to play. Edwin Joseph being one of them. But this was a guy that I know you and I really liked. Kind of late in the process, kind of surged up our board a little bit. You you start to read into him a little bit, and it's easy to see why six foot plus a guy that can play multiple positions. He had two way snaps. I think he's got a. Six foot five, six foot six plus wingspan. The length is there as well. He's super physical. I like him in run support. He's a little bit raw. He's also a guy that I wouldn't be shocked by the end of his career. Maybe he grows into a safety. I think that that might be the natural progression for him. But you can see the traits that are easy to translate day one. You know, uh, there is no lack of physicality or willingness from his standpoint. And Florida State needs a guy that's going to go in there and Listen, maybe you can rein him in a little bit, um, but that's the type of guy that you you prefer to play early. There's a clip, I think it, Florida State's uh, social team put it out last week, where he makes a pretty slick interception uh, right at the sidelines. And what's unique about Edwin Joseph, I mean, dude, I remember there was a time when it looked like he might end up at USF, like USF was in the driver's seat in that recruitment, which is saying a lot because USF. The writing on the wall that was was Jeff Scott was leaving. Uh, played at Shamanan Madonna alongside Jeremiah Smith, our number two overall player here in the 2024 cycle. Uh, Josiah Trader also in that offense. So not a ton of targets to go around. They try him out at DB last year. And you talk to anyone in the South Florida football community down here, and I kind of lump them all together because, you know, there's different trainers and seven-on-seven coaches, and and everyone was in the same alignment that, hey, he's a natural on this side of the ball. So I think if you're a Florida State fan, it should be extremely encouraging that he has come in. I do not believe he was a uh, a early enrollee. He comes in in the summer and is already holding his own at a new position. Like the arrow would be pointing up 
you know, instincts. He's got the size, like you said. So I, I had him on my short list. My pick's going to be KJ Kirkland, another defensive back, kid out of the Jacksonville area. He did enroll early. I was talking to some people in Tallahassee. Um, they think there's a chance that he could see the field. I mean, Cooper, when you look at Florida State and and they're too deep and where they're strong, like there's not a lot of room for freshmen to kind of push their way into playing time aside from that secondary. Like they have some veterans coming back, but I think at the safety positions, there, there isn't as much depth. So some of these guys are going to have to play, whether that's Edwin Joseph, KJ Kirkland. I think you could also throw Conrad Hussey into the group, uh, top two, four, seven safety. They flipped super late from Penn State. His decision went to like, what, day two, day three of the early signing period. He didn't really know where he was going to go. So I think all three of those guys have a chance. I don't know who's going to rise to the top, but I love your uh, your pick on Edwin Joseph. And I, I think KJ Kirkland, I saw him at Miami's elite camp last summer. And I was like, I, I, I don't know why more people aren't on him. He is big. He is long and uh, has that that top end speed guy that ran the 400 on the track. What were the odds of me not picking Hakeem Williams? Well, the reviews haven't been great so far. I think he's uh, see. he was a big fish in a small pond that has dropped into a um, an ocean there in Florida State with what they got going on in the wide receiver room. Takes time, baby. Takes can, time. Can I give out one one more shout out for a uh, for for another player that I've heard some buzz about, Brock Lynn. The quarterback they flipped from Ohio State seems like he is doing very well. And I'm not surprised by that. I, I said throughout the recruiting process, once it became clear he was going to be a seminal, I think he fits what Mike Norvell wants to do on offense to a T. Mobile guy can distribute the football on the run. I'm not saying he's Jordan Travis, but I think that is also encouraging if you're a Florida State fan. Um you know, because they need a quarterback of the future, and, and Brock Glenn looks to be the guy. Like that little nugget. That was our friend Bud Elliott kind of chimed in yesterday on the group text and kind of said Brock Glenn was was turning some heads down there in Tallahassee. All right, Drew, North Carolina. I think you could go a lot of different a lot of different directions here. I'll let you start this one off. This one was hard, right? We were kind of texting last night about some of the some of the former blue chippers that aren't in the starting lineup for the Tar Heels. I went with Chris Culliver, wide receiver. Um, you read the, our, our guys at Inside Carolina. Sounds like he's the third option on the outside. Um, and for those not familiar with Chris Culliver, he was one of the biggest risers in the 2023 cycle. You talk about senior seasons taking a major step. And Mac Brown even brought this up, like, Chris Culliver, completely different player from his 11th grade to 12th grade years. Uh, as a senior, 80 catches for 1,800 yards and 26 touchdowns. That's over 22 yards per catch. I think it's an easy one. Drake May, the best quarterback in the league, is is you know engineering that offense. You know, is he going to be someone that catches 40 footballs? I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe that takes an injury, but. I think he has a chance to make a splash just given his talent and the fact that he's already, you know, working with the first and second team offense. I went with Chris Culliver as well. You know, I, I didn't think it was a layup. 
you know, I talked to some people around Chapel Hill, a couple other names that came up, Christian Hamilton. I think they're going to need some some youth at the receiver position, given their current situation. Also, Amari Campbell at linebacker, they like a lot. Won't start, but a guy that they feel like can have an impact earlier. But Culver, like you said, Drew, I mean, you think about the state of North Carolina. You think about Noah Rogers going to Ohio State last year in the 2023 cycle. You think about Nathan Leacock as well going to Tennessee. All these guys are kind of the same mold. There's a, a lot of developmental upside, but, you know, you and I talk about lack of information in the process. I feel like when you are evaluating a prospect from North Carolina, it's almost a given, like there's going to be a missing variable or two in terms of whether it is uh, verified information or regardless, uh, there's a piece of the puzzle that you're going to have to put together yourself. And to me, that that works to the advantage of a program like North Carolina. Chris Culliver was a guy that ended up shooting up the board for us, finished in the top 120, number 18 receiver in the country. You kind of talked a little bit about the basketball and track and field background as well. He had two-way snaps. You talked about the the run-after catch ability. I mean, 22 yards uh, per reception is, is nothing to balk at. He's also got some ability in the return game. So I like that gift for North Carolina. To me, like you and I on this show a couple of weeks ago, we talked and highlighted a, a handful of programs around the country. I think 19 to 20 was the number we ended up on. And North Carolina was a big talking point about programs that could potentially compete for a national championship. And the reason that I think you and I were both convicted on that to some extent is these caliber of players at every position, right? They're just, they're there. They're, they're in that area between North South Carolina, the DMV as well. North Carolina is one of those places, man. I think it's a, it's a really attractive spot, and you see it. It's a good reminder when you when you look at guys like Chris Culliver, just all of a sudden you throw a rock. Those guys are around there, right? Um, so, yeah, and, and I don't want to keep bringing up the twenty six rankings, but I think North Carolina had fourth or fifth most guys, eight guys in our initial top one hundred. I think the football is improving in that region significantly. So that sets up well for UNC. I'm going to toss out one more name uh, for North Carolina. I I didn't have, um, and I don't know if this guy's going to play. I was kind of hoping to see him in some of the practice reports, and that's Ty Adams, defensive back. Doesn't sound like they they need any youngsters there, but this is someone that I, I loved late in the in the process. Uh, played quarterback for Swainsboro in Georgia in the state title game, ran for 259 yards and four touchdowns. Um, was committed to ECU. I thought I thought the Pirates were getting a steal. I was hoping to see him kind of get some some early praise in camp, but doesn't seem like that's the case. So, Chris Culver, that that's the one for us on, on UNC. Should make it easy on the graphics, folks, over here at twenty four seven Sports. Drew, uh, NC State now uh, number four in terms of the projected finish here in the ACC. I have to give a hockey assist to my guy. Uh, Michael Clark, who kind of pointed me in the right direction over here. But Kevin Concepcion, number 97 receiver in the country, enrolled early in January. You kind of, to me, it was like a lot of these names I heard for the first time, right? Especially when we kind of get into this territory a little bit. 29 receptions, 519 yards. I think he had over 1,000 all-purpose yards. Definitely dynamic in the return game as well. You turn on the tape a little bit and you're like, okay. I can see why this guy is playing early. He's got some juice, run after catch ability, strong at the catch point. I like the way this guy plays. And 
you wonder how does NC State and Dave Doran continue to just churn out nine, ten wins a season. It's players like these, right, and getting this guy in the boat early. And what I mean by that is early enrolled, gets to go through spring, and now is a guy you can hopefully rely on here in the fall. But that was the one, a lot of buzz about him early and being able to contribute as a freshman. I also got Kevin Concepcion as my uh, pick for NC State. How about, uh, hold on real quick. How about the pronunciation from the boys? <laughs> I know. I, I, did I, a, hope... I did a little homework on that. Okay. I didn't. I was just going to roll with it. I, I was ready to ready to roll. Um, <laughs> so this is a name that that I was talking with Michael Clark. Funny we used the same individual, but he does an excellent job covering NC State. Um, and I think I asked some people in Raleigh uh, recently, and, th- and that was another name that they had highlighted. I, I think NC State's kind of young at wide receiver and very in- inexperienced. Like they need him to play. And, and Clark wrote, that he thinks Kevin could lead the team in receiving yards, which, uh, <laughs> like, there's two ways to view that. Either Kevin's good or, or NC State's in trouble at wide receiver. Uh, and he's made some plays and scrimmages. I, I think they had a, a simulated game this past Saturday, and it was pouring rain, and he, he hauled in a big one. Um, but Brennan Armstrong's there. They got a new offensive coordinator. I think it's going to be – Fun to see what that attack looks like for NC State. And and they have a ton of veterans at, at other positions. I couldn't find any other guys that seem to be making some buzz. Um, but Kendrick Raphael, running back out of Naples, Florida, who was Isaiah Augustav's teammate, who si- he signed with Arkansas. So two power five running backs in the same backfield. Seems like the early returns on, on him are, is that he's doing – a uh, favorable job there Kendrick is and and maybe he's a guy you know that that gets some spot carries here and there but NC State seems to be pretty senior heavy aside from that wide receiver position all right Drew I think Miami who we got up next was probably the most I don't want to say the most difficult I think there were probably two easy answers here but this is a class for Mario Cristobal that is going to be relied upon very heavily as Miami looks to turn it around from a five and seven season just a year ago. A lot of expectations coming into 2023. Like I said, some low hanging fruit here. So I'm interested to see what, what direction you went in. All right. This is going to be surprising. <laughs> okay. I think there's three options. And I, I'm, I'm going wild card here. I'm going running back Mark Fletcher. Oh, okay, you took mine. Well, I, I thought you were gonna, I, I thought go you were going to take Francis Malagoa. Okay, I mean, just like what we said with Peter Woods. Like Francis Malagoa isn't even when you talk with anyone at Miami, he's he's not in the oh this is a new like he's been there three years, right? And I got to <laughs> say, he was number two on my freaks list. Last year, number two on Bruce Feldman's freak freak list. This year for his college one, and did you did did you read Bruce's article yet or no? I skimmed it. I skimmed it. <laughs> the lines like Mario Cristobal has never campaigned harder for a, a player. I'm like, oh, not not surprised to hear that uh, about Francis <laughs> Malagoa. I mean, he's going to start. Uh, what he earned a starting. He was battlefield promoted day two of spring practices. So I think Malagoa would be the easy one. But I think Mark Fletcher 
addresses a huge need for the Hurricanes. Last year, Miami ranked 95th in rushing offense, 96th in scoring offense, 86th in red zone offense, and 76th in first down offense. From my understanding, Mark Fletcher is going to be the battering ram. He had two touchdowns in their first opening scrimmage. I think in when they get in the red zone, get down to first and goal, Mark Fletcher's going to be the guy. And early on in his career, I mean, people rolled their eyes when I said this, but Mark Fletcher, to me, I've always kind of felt like he's a, a mini Derrick Henry. I mean, he is 6'1", 230 pounds, um, ran for plenty of yardage in his time at American Heritage Plantation. I, I just think he addresses a major glaring hole for the Hurricanes. And I also think what's notable about Fletcher, he was dealing with some some shoulder injuries throughout his high school career, and it sounds like he is finally healthy. The guys at Inside the U were telling me he was doing like back handsprings and pads. Like if you're doing back handsprings, your shoulder is probably – close to 100%. So Mark Fletcher is for me. Sorry for stealing yours. Who else do you, I mean, who, who do you got? Well, I think for, you know, keeping everybody at bay here, I got to go Malagoa, right? Um, that's the easy one. You talked about him. I, I think Mario is going to have a hard time not getting overly excited about him. And you want to know how excited about him. I mean, he was comfortable enough to insert him into the starting lineup on day two of spring ball. I mean, as a freshman in the offensive line, you're talking about one of the most difficult positions in all of college football day one to have that responsibility. So I think Malagoa is a cornerstone of that program. And I think that needs to be said. I think Mario Cristobal views him as his pin a Sewell. Uh, and if you go back and you look at Mario, uh, Mario Cristobal's history at Oregon, Pene Sewell was kind of the linchpin, right? That was that was the guy that he kind of hung his hat on at the end of the day, offensive uh, side of the ball and the line of scrimmage and the point of attack and who they wanted to be. In a lot of ways, between Pene Sewell and Kayvon Thibodeau, those were the two faces of his program. And, and I think Francis Malgoa embodies what Mario Cristobal wants Miami to be. So uh, can't overlook that one. But, Drew, I mean, there are, there are a handful of other guys. I think Robbie Washington, Nathaniel Joseph, both came to mind. I think both those guys both have the ability to play and contribute early. I know they're really excited about Nathaniel Joseph and the playmaking ability he adds not only as a receiver but in the return game as well. I think you can look at a, a couple of different positions. How about Reuben Bain, right? Yeah, he I mean, was I the think third one. Be, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult to – to keep him off the field. You talk about the production he had. I, I still don't know if it's, you know, like I, I hear 29 and a half sacks and I'm like, is that, is that real? You know? Uh, but that being said, the tape is real. You turn on the tape and it, it's easy to see how Ruben Bain was so productive in high school. So he's got a lot to work with, man. I'm excited about Miami's freshman class, what they're ushering in this year. And I think if you're Mario Cristobal, rip the bandaid off, get those guys as many reps as possible as expectations are somewhat simmered, right? I don't think anybody expects Miami to win double-digit games this season. So to me, go get those guys as much run as possible. And if I know anything about Mario, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. Yeah, Bain, like I said, was the third guy I had written down. Um, maybe situational packages early on, but 
give him more burn and burn as as the season progresses. And Cooper, I don't think we've ever brought up. He's got one of the, like the best nicknames out there. They call him Hurricane Bane. Um, incredible, thanks. incredible nickname. You got to think about the. And uh, I was talking to my cousin this morning who listens to the podcast, and he was talking about um, you know nil opportunities and. I think we should – maybe this should be part of leaving a review. If you have NIL suggestions for players, just leave them, leave them in, the, in, in the review section. To me, that's where I do it. You know, I was talking about Deshaun Womack the other day and the lawyer in New Orleans who's, you know, put the Womack on him. There's a lot of potential opportunities out there that I don't think people see. Hurricane Bain, you're telling me that Reuben Bain can't find an opportunity somewhere in Miami with the, with the nickname Hurricane Bain? I'm thinking like uh, Hurricane Shutters Company. Somebody's got to somebody's got to jump on that. It's out there. There's <laughs> like a, a a collage of him making a sack, and then like, oh, <laughs> hurricane season's coming. That's right. <laughs> yeah, can see it already. All right. Next up, the Dukies, Mike Elko. Everybody's favorite team right now, man. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to have have a contact or two over at Duke. And uh, the name that came back, Peyton Jones, running back out of Virginia. And you're laughing right now. That probably means we got the same guy. Okay, because I I know some people at Duke, too, as well, (laughs) I I should say. I texted one of them, hey, any chance, you know, any of your freshmen play? Just get back. No. Just period. Like not All right, even. I, I, I feel pretty confident about this one. Peyton Jones is who I have as well. Um, but going into this exercise, I did not know much about Duke. I'm buying stock in Duke. Like they are, you want to talk about an older team? That is Duke. Did you, you, you referenced earlier in the show, that's week one, Clemson, Duke. Yes. Where is that game? Durham. I don't know the name. What is the name of the stadium? Wallace Wait something? I don't know. Apologize for any Duke fans out there. I'm buying stock in Duke too, man. I'm excited. I, I like I like so much of what they're doing. And I think Mike Elko and, and company have a really good grasp on who they are and they don't go outside of it. And in a lot of ways, it kind of reminded me of my time at Washington. You have your lane. You stay in it. And if you do all the right things, then it can yield pretty good results. And I think Duke continues to show organic growth in terms of their program and and, and definitely in the talent identification evaluation process. I'm excited about them. I'm I'm with you, Drew. I I really am. I I think they are upgrading the, the talent composition of their roster as well. Got a quarterback a lot of people are excited about, especially in NFL draft circles. So, yeah, agent circles as well. I was, was hearing from some thoughts from the that side of the industry over the weekend. Uh, Riley Leonard, big name. Um, I didn't know we'd go here in the Impact Freshman podcast, but Duke's win total at six and a half. Mentioned they open it up against Clemson, then it's Lafayette, Northwestern, UConn, no, followed by Notre Dame at home. What is that like? Three and two, they lose to Clemson and Notre Dame. I think best best case scenario, you're four and one. I mean, you yeah. got you got Clemson and and Notre Dame at home, right? If you if you find a way to split one of those two games, you're in you're in a great shape. Best right. case scenario. 
then you got a bye week. NC State at home, at FSU, at Louisville, then Wake on a Thursday night. That, that's followed by at UNC, at Virginia, and they finish with Pitt at home. Six and a half is an intriguing number to to play the over. Now, I I think it's they're going to have to surprise some people, but NFL quarterback, again, really veteran team. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think an upset's not out of the question. I also wanted to bring up Vincent Anthony. This time last year, me and you were like raving about this guy. And, and for those that don't know the name, Vincent Anthony was a All-American Bull standout all week in practices. He finished in the top 247 for us. I didn't realize this, Cooper. Vincent Anthony, defensive lineman, started 13 games for Duke last year. Um, I don't think there's anyone for that's going to have that type of impact for the Blue Devils this year. But Peyton Jones is the name I got. Looked good in their spring scrimmage, ran for 55 yards and a touchdown. The issue there is uh, he's got like four running backs ahead of him uh, on the depth chart. What I liked about turning on the tape is, I mean, you see him on kickoff and you're like, all right, you can see why they like him. You can see why this guy's going to be on the field physical. I think change of pace back, catches the ball well out of the backfield. Top end speed, maybe a little bit questionable, but you and I have talked so much about the running back position and what's really important, plays the game the right way. So Peyton Jones, Drew, I don't know how many you and I have overlapped on. It seems like a lot more in the ACC than it was in the SEC, but well, well, I like get, it. That's a good when thing. Get, when you get a text message back, no, in terms of are any of your freshmen <laughs> going to play. Last last final nugget on Duke since we're, we're here, and you talk about they know who they are and – they're growing from within as, as a program like Duke lost two corners. I think one in the portal another to the NFL and how do they re respond? They go and get a seventh year transfer from Texas A&M. Remember the DC there used to be at Texas A&M, same with Mike Elko. Uh, and then they get a sixth year corner from Miami and one of their defensive assistants was previously at Miami. Like they seem to have it figured out. Is that Al Blade Jr.? Yeah. There's some buzz. There was some buzz in Slack about him. So who was the other one? I, because I don't know. Blades played at Miami in A and M, right? No, he just he was just at Miami. Okay. For whatever reason, I thought he was at A and M. Okay. Drew Pittsburgh up next. Pat Narduzzi. This one was pretty interesting. You know, I was kind of reading through Pat Narduzzi some of his comments and. In fall camp, and a name that came up was Israel Polk. You look into him a little bit more, they're going to need some production at the receiver position. They're going to need some young guys to step up. Go all the way out to California, St. John Bosco for Israel Polk. 6'2 and change, 170 pounds. Brother of Makai Polk, who's at Mississippi State. 22 plus in the long jump. So he's got some natural ability, but super smooth when you turn on the tape and if you had to bet on a guy out of that young group of receivers, obviously the feedback's been good on him. But this is one of those recruitments that I'd be really interested. One, not to I, I want to see how he plays out as a player, but even then, how Pittsburgh says go so far out of their own region to say, okay, this this is our guy. I, I got another receiver as well. Um I think that what they have four freshman receivers. Israel's one of them. The one I wrote down, Kenny Johnson. I think he's he's made some plays and practices as well. He was the MVP of the Big 33 game 
uh, which pits Pennsylvania against Maryland. For some reason, they play that in May, which is like, I, I, I've heard it a bit in the past. And then I finally like read into it. I'm like, why are you playing this all-star game in May, six months after the season ends? But an- another discussion, another day. Um, I, I think the storyline here is Taekwon Underwood, former Rutgers wide receiver, producer Lance is probably smiling, played in the NFL. He now leads up Pittsburgh's wide receiver room. And I think he did a really good job evaluating and recruiting this group. They also got Lamar Seymour from down at Miami Central High School in Florida. Underwood played a big role there. So he got local kids. He went to California. He went to Florida. Um, And I think, you know, whether it's Polk, Kenny Johnson, one of these guys is, is going to be catching passes from Phil Jerkovich at some point during the season. Coop, you mentioned you were reading up on, on Narduzzi. Did you get the sense that he like isn't really thrilled with his defense at this stage? I thought that was that was the vibe I was kind of picking up. <laughs> I didn't come across that one. Okay. I was just doing some I'm like, whoa, he like, but he's a defensive coach, you know. Um probably just trying to spark a fire and Pittsburgh lost a lot to the NFL draft. He speaks his mind. I mean, if that's one thing that we've kind of learned about him is that he's, he's not afraid to uh, say what he thinks. I respect that about him. Um, Especially in this case, giving us some good nuggets on some young receivers that need to play. All right, Drew, next up for us is Louisville. And I, I'll tell you what, they're, there were a couple parts of Louisville's class last year. I mean, it's crazy to think that Ruben Owens, DeAndre Moore, I mean, they they couldn't finish with those guys. Satterfield obviously ends up over at Cincinnati and Jeff Brom back at his home. Drew, for me, I, I went Stanquan Clark, and that's a guy that I've always been Good kind of fixated pick. with um, for a while. I went back and forth. A couple of different guys kind of got my attention, but I like this kid. I, I thought – the arrow was pointing up. You mentioned, I think his junior season, correct me if I'm wrong here, was playing a little bit more strong safety, moves to linebacker as a senior. And you start to see the pieces kind of come together a little bit. I think this is one in a couple years where you're like, one of those programs, the big three in the state of Florida, you're wondering how this kid got out. Well, Miami tried to get him. Um, And this is a great selection. I was talking with someone at Louisville Stanquan Clark, he's going to play. And uh, out of Miami Central, originally started off at Miami Killian. Safety, like you said, was always a big safety. You knew he was going to move closer towards the line of scrimmage in that box. Was excellent in his spring jamboree uh, heading into his senior season. And and you're right, like Miami, Florida State kind of, I don't know, slow played him a little bit. Louisville was ready to make a move. Louisville made a move. And then those other schools tried to circle back and he was all in on, on the Cardinals. And I've said this before, like I think the Louisville brand in South Florida, more specifically. So Miami Dade, it it carries some weight. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, Tutu Atwell, all those guys are kind of legends in this area. So when Louisville comes calling, like the kids, the playmakers down here, are going to listen. So I think that that's an excellent selection. I, I don't know who the DC is off the top of my head, but I did read a quote that they thought Stan Quan was going to play for me going completely outside the box here. 
taking Louisville's lowest ranked commit, which could burn me at some point down the line. Uh, Katarius Hicks, wide receiver from Miami Central. He enrolled for spring. I believe he had a big catch in the spring game. Uh, The staff there has has talked him up. Someone told me off record they thought Hicks had a chance to be a part of the rotation. You mentioned Brom coming over. They're going to throw the football. I think Hicks is someone that they – could play in the rotation, but he could be kind of one of those individuals you scheme up some touches for. I also think there's a chance he'll make an impact as a return man. Uh, and Katarius Hicks, the head coach at Miami Central, told me midway through last season, I was like, what about this kid, Katarius Hicks? Because he, he really didn't have a ton of offers. He goes, oh, Hicks, that's six points off the bus. And then the kid proceeded to score like three touchdowns in the game. So... One of the greatest lines I'd ever heard. I was about to say, man, that that sounded a lot cooler than I think you initially thought it would. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, that's a great line. That's good stuff. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. All right, guys, you're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast with Cooper Patagna and Andrew Ivins. Make sure to leave a rating in a review on there as well. A lot of positive mo for the boys right now, the Oyster boys, 600,000 downloads. Give yourself a little pat on the back. We appreciate you sticking with us. You sickos out there who just love recruiting 365, 24-7. That's our job to bring it to you. Drew, Wake Forest. I mean, a couple, couple different thoughts here. One, how about Wake Forest pick to finish ninth in the ACC? I'm not I'm not in the weeds of the ACC and what Wake Forest has got coming back. And I know they lost Sam Hartman. That was a little bit of a surprise when when you just sent me uh, order of finish here. The other part of this that was interesting, I was doing a little homework and you hear Dave Clawson kind of talk about their advantage at Wake Forest is having an experienced roster and a veteran group and his philosophy on redshirting a lot of the freshmen. So I'm reading this article and I'm like, you know, going into it, I was pretty, I was pretty sure I was going to come out with Micah Mays. And then you start reading a little bit more. And the only guy that Dave Clawson brought up was this Devon Patterson kid out of Edie White in Jacksonville. Ed White. So I'm Ed like, White. All right, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Ed White, excuse me. There's a, I want to say there's an Edie White in Louisiana. So I apologize there. Number 115 safety in the country. You go turn on the tape. One, I don't think this guy's going to be playing safety. This guy looks like inside backer, weak side backer, headhunter, physical as hell. Three-sport athlete, track and field, baseball, wrestler, 20-plus in the long jump. He was listed at 6'1", 195. I, I don't believe that. I thought he was closer to 210 pounds. I think this guy's future is at linebacker. And out of all the guys that I didn't know coming in, this was the guy that I got the most excited about. I'm I'm really fired up about this dude. I think he's going to be a player. I had Devon Patterson as well. Um, and he'll be a fun case study for me. Um, had some exposure to him. Not a fast guy on the lasers. That is That is going to be the knock on Devon Patterson, but he is a really, really good football player. Um, 
two-way snaps, like you said. I think he had multiple picks as a senior, like 68 tackles. Ed White is a school that doesn't really churn out a ton of power five guys. But I, what I think separates Devon Patterson maybe that from some of the others, like in that Jacksonville area, usually if you're not at one of the, the premier schools, you kind of transfer in. And Devon Patterson was a four-year starter at Ed White. So I think that says a lot about his football character, football IQ. Um, he's the guy I picked as well. I thought I was, I, I came in with the same mindset. All right, Micah Mays, who is making plays in practice because Wake Forest has put that on on their social media. Um, but yeah, Dave Clawson only brought up Devon Patterson. So you, you would assume that he's going to be a guy. And Coop, I think we read the same story because I wrote this down. And, and just to give some insight uh, about how the Demon Deacons have it set up, I guess they kind of placed the freshmen into three different categories. It's either play, red shirt, or red alert, which means if someone were to get hurt, there's you know they will pull the red shirt essentially, and they're good enough to play. Um, and, and Les Johns at our, our Wake Forest site, he, he had a great quote from Dave Clawson, and I'm going to read it real quick. If we suddenly stop redshirting here, then we're running an even race with Clemson and Florida State where they're getting five stars and we're getting two and three stars. Our ability to compete with programs has always been gaining that extra year. Um, so just some insight into how Wake Forest does things because it's completely different than anywhere else in the country. I love that. I love that nugget from Dave Clawson. And I think your ability to be able to look inward and understand the advantages of maybe some of the other programs in the conference or maybe some of the, I don't want to call them disadvantages, but limitations of your own program allows you to maximize your capabilities. And I think David Clawson's all, all over that. Um, Builds a culture, man. 110%. He's been able to uh, take Wake Forest to, to new heights that that program has not achieved in a very, very long time true next one up syracuse dino babers at number 10 i needed i needed this was a phone a friend for me and i ended up going with rashad perry out of buffalo new york you had a little bit of exposure to him ranked the number 103 defensive lineman in the country listed 63 245 obviously he's going to have to put on a lot of weight once he arrives uh, at syracuse but Quick twitch, explosive, a little bit undersized. I think he can play multiple positions. I think that the the one thing he has going for him is not only the position versatility, but his ability to penetrate consistently. And I think if you're looking for a young defensive lineman to play early, that's a trait you have to have. We talked a little bit about Peter Woods earlier in the day. I mean, he's exceptional, probably the best in the country that we saw in the 2023 cycle in terms of get off and being able to go speed to power, play with some lead in his hands as well. So Rashad Perry, that's the pick there. Like I said, lean, lean more on you in that process. But <laughs> I did see Perry uh, work out at Florida University. Of Florida. It had to have been like two or three years ago. And they're like, hey, this is this is a kid from New York. And you're kind of like, all right, like you never see a kid from New York down here camping. And I listed at 245 pounds, but he did not have much, if any, uh, body fat on him. I mean, he was rocked up. I think that's a good, a good pick. 
interesting recruiting class for Syracuse, and which isn't surprising. Uh, I think given that Dino Babers is under a ton of pressure to win. Um, I went with Ike Daniels, running back, finished numbers as the number 60 ball carrier in the rankings for us. Don't think he'll be a lead guy, um, but will be in the rotation for the Orange, who just reinstated their starting running back, um, the Quentin Allen, or, or I should say presumed starter. I guess he was in some off-season fight. Remember, Sean Tucker is no longer there in the Carrier Dome. So Ike Daniels is who I went with. But Syracuse just really fascinating in, in terms of what's going to happen there. Just when you look at the recruiting class and the hot seat that, that Dino Babers is on. All right, Drew, Virginia Tech, Brent Pride. You know, I got my eyes on them. I'm, I'm To me, Virginia Tech's one of those programs that I think has a lot of potential, not only as a recruiting program, but really to work their way back up in the hierarchy of the ACC. And right now, if you're a Virginia Tech fan, you're sitting there at number 11. It's a little bit of a head scratcher. That's not where you want the state of the program to be. I think they've been a little, they, they've been underwhelming to me, recruiting wise. And if you're Brent Pride coming over from Penn State and James Franklin, if I'm a Hokies fan, I, that's the part you got to get right. You almost got to be maniacal, right? But they finished last year with a couple of receivers that I thought were pretty intriguing. Chance Fitzgerald from Tennessee, who I really liked. And another one from Tennessee, Aiden Green, who came over originally was committed to Cincinnati and Luke Fickle. I like this guy a lot, Drew. I, I kind of went back and forth. He's within my region. I went back and forth in the evaluation process of Hey, this guy was kind of on the cusp of four-star status. You see the basketball background. He's got excellent 50-50 ability. He can climb the ladder. Really good ball skills. Still filling out his frame a little bit, but he's going to play early. I, I like this dude. I thought this was a really, really savvy take for Virginia Tech, too, when they took him. Yeah, and there were some practice reports out there that he's going to play. I think the easiest way to the, the field is on special teams right like uh that would make the most sense for me cooper you mentioned virginia tech getting back to virginia tech and when i think about the Hokies, it starts in the secondary always have dudes back there so so the guy i highlighted is dante lovett safety out of dematha catholic um we shot him up in the rankings late I want to say right before the early signing period, Brian Doan was kind of our regional analyst in the Mid-Atlantic, was the one that had brought him up, and he finished as the number 38 safety for us. I, I loved his senior tape. Guy making plays on, on, on defense, hits people, sound open field tackler, and then making an impact in the return game. And I remember him from seven-on-sevens, camp circuits and whatnot, always kind of liked him. Virginia Tech working him in at corner right now, along with a few other young guys. I, I think one of them has to play, just reading between the lines and, and what Brent Pry has said. And I think Dante Lovett is the guy I would be banking on. And if he if he pans out, he will be someone that has a chance to play on Sundays, I think. And that that to me is where it starts for Virginia Tech, right? In that secondary. Drew, Georgia Tech, 
for whatever reason, I'm feeling alignment here, some alignment between the boys. Eric Singleton, Douglasville, Georgia, number 73 receiver in all of the land. Judging by your reaction, I don't know. I don't know if we're in alignment. I got someone else, but I I love me Eric Singleton. Were you a little surprised by that? I had to go deep in the bag. No, no. Unload on why, and then I'll – 5'10", 165, 10'69 in the 100 meter, 23 plus in the long jump, over 1,000 yards receiving last year, 12 touchdowns as well, average over 23 yards. Kick return yardage, excuse me, average per touch there. So explosive, you turn on the tape, I think immediately your mind goes before even watching the tape just based off the information at hand that, all right, this guy – is a guy that can take the top off the the defense, and that is true. But I was more impressed with his run after catch ability. And I love his initial quickness off the line of scrimmage. I think he's really sudden. I think he's a lot better route runner um, than what you would expect. I like this guy. I mean, the only thing that is a little bit of a question mark is lack of verified height and weight. But if, if that checks out, this is a dude to me that three, four years down the line you know, I would expect, fully expect, just knowing what we know about the athlete and what we've seen on tape, that he could have an NFL career ahead of him. I just looked it up, Eric Singleton, um, and I think this is relevant with high school football starting. Didn't know anything about him. Wasn't even on my radar. And you start watching cutups and 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 highlights after kids play a few games. Came across Eric Singleton the second week of September, and he was committed to Western Kentucky. I'm like, this guy is a dude. I think in one game, he got nine passes for 153 yards and four touchdowns. And I'm like, all right, stamping him, high three-star grade, goes on to have an excellent senior season, like you said. Auburn and Hugh Freeze tried to get him. I think he took an official visit there, ends up at Georgia Tech. I, I think that's a great pick. Who knows if he's in the receiver rotation? I think Georgia Tech brought in a bunch of veterans. Sorry, I just got a text message that distracted me. They brought in a bunch of veterans, but could be a return man. Uh, Coop, the, the individual I went with, and I mentioned kicking myself for another ranking we previously had, but running back Evan Dickens, originally a Coastal Carolina commit, transferred into IMG Academy for his senior season. And I I will never forget when I showed up for IMG's opener at Venice High School, talking with the staff there, they said, I'm like, all right, who's kind of been the dude? And they said, Evan Dickens. And I'm like, who is that? And they pointed to number 20 or whatever he was wearing in the huddle. Um, But he was playing behind (laughs) Jarrett Gibson and a bunch of other running backs. And Never, I forgot to to kind of move him up, but he was good in the spring game. I think he scored a touchdown, had a pair of catches, and I thought this was an interesting nugget. Buster Faulkner, who is the new co-OC there, spent the past few years at Georgia. He said Evan Dickens was one of the most impressive freshmen he has ever been around, so I think that is some high praise there. He was he was the one guy that. You do a little bit of research about who Georgia Tech expects to play this year. 
Brent Key, head coach. That's one guy that's been getting a lot of praise. Major key alert. That's what we're going to call it when Georgia Tech springs up a, a nice little uh, talent acquisition, if you want to call it, Eric Singleton. I'm excited about him. We'll be keeping a close eye on him as we go forward. Drew, as we round out the ACC, I believe it is time for Boston College. Mark Halfley. This one, I, think, I relied on yeah. our experience in San Antonio. I went with Jaden yeah. Skeet. And the, and, and the good thing is you follow up a little bit um, at Boston College and, and read into it a little bit more. Jaden Skeet's been turning some heads. And if you're not familiar with him, the only one, Jeff Halfley, excuse me, the only one, um, the only offer he had, I believe, was Boston College, right? From, from the state of Massachusetts, comes down to San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. We didn't know anything about him really he he and, was a uh camp invite like he earned his spot at the all-american bowl at another camp he had a good week and i think finished he finished for us as an 88 uh, as an 88 number 81 receiver in the country 6 180 he's already been turning some heads up there in boston so i went with, with jane skeet that kind of seemed like the low-hanging fruit to trail jones was another guy that we really liked early on in the process but Jaden Skeet for me. That's who I put down as well. And I think you need to point out um, BC just lost its best wide receiver, Zay Flowers. He's now suiting up for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I had Jaden as well. I remember him. You guys saw him more in one-on-ones. And at the All-American Bowl, I mean, it's blue chip defensive back after blue chip defensive back. And you have this wide receiver who's kind of slight of frame but creating separation. And then we actually saw it in the game. I think he had a nice catch and run. Vertical speed is there. Um, seems like he's going to play catch passes from whoever is the quarterback there at, at, at Boston College. What other one I had written down was another speedster, Nate Johnson, who was a kid out of Clearwater, Florida. Um, someone that hit 22.4 miles per hour on, on one of those GPS metrics. I thought he might be a DB. Sounds like Boston College is is going to use him on offense, try to get him some, get him the ball in space. All right, Drew. Last one in the ACC, Virginia. This one was was pretty interesting. You you had uh, a recommendation for me, and you read into this one a little bit more. I was happy to do it. Jaden Gibson, number two hundred and thirty second ranked receiver in the country from Reuben County in Georgia basketball background as well but i mean you talk about production over 4437 yards receiving in his high school career 6185 pounds you turn on the tape a lot to like about this dude um and you can see why the cavaliers were kind of high on this guy i thought excellent run after catchability nuanced right you talk about fbi football instincts spatial awareness knows how to play the game in terms of verifieds, lack of information there, but this is a guy that I think makes sense if if you're Virginia getting in the boat and guy that could play early for you. Caught passes there from Gunnar Stockton, the now Georgia quarterback for a few years. Uh, Jaden Gibson is the career receiving yards leader in the state of Georgia. He also broke Travis Hunter's record for the most touchdown receptions at 59. I totally forgot Travis Hunter had that record. And I don't like how did that slip my mind? I mean, what a, what an absolute dude! And Clint Brewster at at twenty four seven Sports. Did you see he put out those uh, 
transfer portal over unders. Fun little article. I did not see that one. It yeah. was like Travis Hunter over under six touchdown catches, I think, or maybe it was eight. Um, that's that's a topic for another day. No, I think that's a good one, Cooper. Um, just reading into Virginia, I'm I'm going to come out and say it. I don't know how good they're going to be this year because um, it seems like a lot of young guys have a chance to play, including my pick, quarterback Anthony Calandria. I when I opened up the laptop this morning and started researching Virginia, I was shocked to hear that there's a chance he could start for the Cavaliers. Um, I might be a little rusty here. Is Was this the former Middle Tennessee State commit? This is my guy. He can spin it. This is my guy. Anthony Calandria from St. Petersburg, Florida, Lakewood High School. Like you said, committed to Middle Tennessee. Flips to Virginia. I saw him in a spring jamboree two, two years ago. The dude scored eight touchdowns, seven passing, one rushing. I remember tweeting out that day. He's got some like Manziel magic to him in terms of it is chaos in the pocket, but controlled chaos, and he gets the football where it needs to be. Um, Tony Elliott said after this past weekend's scrimmage that his biggest takeaway is Calandria is pushing Tony Musket. Um, and it's an open quarterback competition. So I don't think Virginia is going to be all that good. And why not play the the youngster? So Anthony Calandria might not start game one, two, three, or four, or five, but I think at some point he's going to be on the field and he is going to be fun to watch um, just having covered him. He finished as the number 45 quarterback for us. And again, he is on the smaller side. They list him at 5'11". I don't, I don't think he's much taller than 5'10". I, I don't know much about Virginia's quarterback room, but even that, what you're telling me right now is it's your one takeaway from the show. That one's a little bit of a shocker to me. Dude, I, I fired off a number of texts this morning and like, don't get me wrong. I like Anthony Calandria, but I didn't think like starting ACC well, it, games. It, it tells you something, right? Tells you, it, it, tells you a little bit something about the – one, it tells you something about the player that they, they think that highly of him that he'll be able to play in that conference that early. And then it tells you a little bit more about the current state of that room as well. So Could be a motivational factor. For sure. All right, Drew, Notre Dame, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you've been locked in for over an hour and two minutes and 46 seconds, we appreciate you guys sticking with us. Drew, you know, I, I made the phone call to Tom Loy, our friend over there. And he gave me a couple of names, but this one was relatively easy for me. And it's funny. I think anybody who listens to this show or knows anything about Jaden Greathouse, you know that he's been a uh, a pretty um, he's been a pretty heavily uh, conversed topic um, on this show. Jaden Greathouse, to me, to prove the point, you look back on his career at Austin Westlake. 233 receptions over 4,000 yards receiving 53 touchdowns. That's one of the best resumes in all of high school football. And then you, you consider the fact that that's done at one of the highest levels of high school football. This is not a shock or a surprise that Jaden Greathouse is going to be somebody that's going to be relied upon early in South Bend. 
for Sam Hartman in that offense. And Jaden Greathouse is a football player. That is the label, like to me, just in terms of, you know, we, we've talked so much recently about FBI and what does that mean? Is that, you know, football instincts or football intelligence or whatever, which way you want to go? I mean, to me, he is the epitome, epitome of that at the receiver position. I mean, you under, this is somebody you turn on the tape and has a excellent understanding of how to attack his opponent, how to attack leverage, how to find the soft spot in the zone, yards after catch. He's a natural runner. Drew, I think physically from a frame standpoint, and this is one of the positives that maybe long-term can be seen as a negative, he's ready to go. I mean, he's already 220 pounds. He's been in uh, a very competitive program with access to excellent resources. This is a guy that I think Notre Dame knew could help them early. No reason to believe that he won't do that now. And from everything we hear, he's everything that Marcus Freeman hoped he would be. Uh, and the other guy they like, Rico Flores, as well. I mean, you can you can have the debate about long-term upside when it comes to both of those guys. One thing that you can not debate is their ability to come in and their skill set to translate somewhat rather quickly to the next level. And I think Notre Dame is, that's the expectation. I think they've believed that throughout when they signed them. And everything we hear is that that's true throughout fall camp too. Great house was also my pick. What was it? 11 catches for 118 yards in that spring game. Um, what, what do they list him at weight wise? He's 220 pounds on the profile. Big boy. That's I I mean if there's one thing that I have my eye on for the next three to four years, I it's not like I would say next three to four years, one thing that I have my eye on when it when it's time uh for him and I would expect he's gonna have the opportunity and I think he's gonna have a uber, uber productive career at Notre Dame. But when it's time is okay, how is he gonna be viewed through that NFL lens? And maybe it's just one of those guys. I was thinking about this today. I mean, he was double digit guy on the hardwood too. Right. Maybe you overlook some of those other things and you turn on the tape. It's like, yeah, it's pretty clear. This guy's a dude. Interesting case study, right? We need to create a For file sure. of, of who we're, we're tracking. Uh, again, great house is my selection as well. For everything you said, I, I did want to give a shout out to this individual, this player, because I thought it was notable that Tom Loy had recommended him. And then you go and you look at the photos on his profile of him there at Notre Dame, and you're like, whoa, okay. Christian Gray, top 247 cornerback, number 22 corner for us. Um, long. I think he's just a hair under six feet. Apparently, he was awesome in uh, a recent scrimmage, making plays all over the field. Notre Dame has some has some dudes at corner right now. Benjamin Morrison, who was a stud as a, a true freshman. But Christian Gray, I think, is someone that could push for playing time. And if he isn't on the field in, in 2023, he's going to be a guy there in South Bend. I was just impressed with his physical development. And someone you, you, know, you see move around on the camp circuit. A, a lot to like with him. Marcus Freeman had to beat out LSU for Christian Gray, right? And... That one was pretty intriguing. I, I talk about all the time about Notre Dame upgrading their roster composition to be able to be fit and to compete in January when it comes 
if they had the opportunity to compete in the college football playoff. How do you do it? Guys like Christian Gray. And you know what's interesting about him, Drew? We were kind of lukewarm on the tape as a senior. But that was a guy that we knew had the traits, ran well. There were a lot of redeeming qualities there. You get him in, get him in your program, get him in the strength conditioning program, have the opportunity to have him go through your player development program as well. And already, I mean, we kind of saw the same thing with Benjamin Morrison last year. Those are the type of guys you got to win on. So credit to Notre Dame there. Drew, as we leave this conversation, head for home, get started the rest of our day. Any final thoughts, ACC, Notre Dame? Mm. When I was putting this together, I think trying to compare it to the SEC to the ACC, right? Like not as many point of attack players. I noticed that as a trend. Right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I did we have one offensive lineman outside of Francis Malagoa? No, and we had one defensive lineman. And that's coming from Miami and Clemson, you know, so just shows a good like, point. Yeah, right. Am I? That's a good, good takeaway. Well, outside of Clemson, who would you be like? You know, Florida State obviously comes up, but outside of those two programs, who are you like? Yeah, you know, that that's a program that is known for point of attack play. Well, I, it just shows like the guys that are ready. Going to, going to the SEC, and it'll be fun when we get into the Big Ten side of this. ACC, guys, we hope you enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Like like I said, I think I speak for Drew here. I mean, it's nice to <laughs> kind of go a little bit more in-depth, especially when you're talking about teams like Virginia, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, so on and so forth, and trying to find guys that you think can hit. I'm excited about Eric Singleton at Georgia Tech. That was one name that came across our guy at, at Wake Forest as well. I think he's going to play Patterson. early. And it's one of those things when you're, you know, you're up at 11 a.m. on a Saturday and one of those games pops up, you're going to you're going to be looking for those guys now. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, always fun. All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. As always, one more shameless plug. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple included. Make sure to leave a rating in a review for my friend Andrew Ivins for producer Lance Flint. I'm Cooper Patagna. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.